Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is our day to study city work that's done under God's direction. As a matter of fact, one entire book in the Bible is devoted to missionary work in the city. It was Jonah. Let's start with prayer. Dear Jesus, please guide our understanding this morning. Help each one of us to see if there's some part we can play, something we can do to help with your work, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Opening up to the book of Jonah, verses one, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Nineveh was mentioned yesterday as we were reading about the origin of cities. It was one of the ones that was built along with Babylon. But one lone worker, Jonah, and he refused to go. We can read about it in the book Prophets and Kings, page 266. The instrument chosen for this work was the prophet Jonah, the son of Amittai. To him came the word of the Lord, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. As the prophet thought of the difficulties and seeming impossibilities of this commission, he was tempted to question the wisdom of the call. From a human viewpoint, it seemed as if nothing could be gained by proclaiming a, such a message in that proud city, he forgot for the moment that God whom he served was all-wise and all-powerful. While he hesitated, still doubting, Satan overwhelmed him with discouragement. Isn't that what happens if we doubt and hesitate? The prophet was seized with a great dread, and he rose up to flee into Tarshish. Going to Joppa and finding there a ship ready to sail, he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them. <laughs> He's running from God. In the charge given him, Jonah had been entrusted with a heavy responsibility. Yet he who had bidden him go was able to sustain his servant and grant him success. Had the prophet obeyed unquestioningly, he would have been spared many bitter experiences and would have been blessed abundantly. Yet, in the hour of Jonah's despair, the Lord did not desert him. Through a series of trials and strange providences, the prophet's confidence in God and in his infinite power to save was to be revived. Let's read in Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 to 17. I think, um, well, I'm not sure if we're going to read about that here, about the history of, of Nineveh, but I will wait and see if, if we do read about it. If we don't, I'll add some more to it, it towards the end. But right now, Jonah chapter 1, 4 through 17. But the Lord sent out a great wind unto the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and they cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. If so be that God, in other words, whatever God you worship. 
And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence camest thou? And what is thy country? What people are you from? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and they said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. Wow. Then said he unto them, then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. Wow, even these men recognized the power of God. So they took up Jonah, and they cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. That's what. Jesus referred to that, didn't he? God had prepared a fish to save Jonah. Going back to our book, Prophets and Kings, uh, 267 and 268. You know, if when the, the call first came to him, if Jonah had stopped to consider calmly, he might have known how foolish would be any effort on his part to escape responsibility placed on him. But not for long was he permitted to go on undisturbed in his mad flight. The Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay there, he was fast asleep. As the mariners were beseeching their heathen gods for help, the master of the ship, distressed beyond measure, sought out Jonah and said, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be, that God will think upon us, that we perish not. But the prayers of the man who had turned aside from the path of duty brought no help. The mariners, impressed with the thought that the strange violence of the storm betokened the anger of their gods, they proposed as a last resort the casting of lots. That we may know, they said, for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and they said unto them, why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. 
Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Now talk about a prayer of great importunity. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardst my voice. Uh, yeah, so there's a prayer if you want to go read Jonah's prayer. Um, Jonah 2, 1 through 9. I realize we read some of those verses twice. Sorry about that. Okay. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardst my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the sea, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Now that's faith. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And as soon as he said that, and he submitted, I'll pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land, and he was going to get another chance to do what he was supposed to do. <laughs> in, his, in his strange prison, just think about that. You know, the further down the fish would go, the more the water pressure would press upon it. But, of course, the fish had oxygen in its lungs, and I guess that somehow Jonah had air. The Lord provided for him somehow. I almost wondered. I mean, there's been times I wondered if Jonah died down there and then prayed to the Lord before he died, and the Lord had the fish spit him out and it brought him back. I don't know. Maybe that's a silly thought, but... Because Jesus referred to um, Jonah's experience to be compared with his own experience. Maybe that's what I was thinking about it, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, in a strange prison, Jonah learned five fundamental principles underlying all successful missionary efforts in great cities. Prophets and Kings, page 269. At last, Jonah had learned that salvation belongs to the Lord. With penitence and a recognition of the saving grace of God came deliverance. He was released from the perils of the mighty deep and was cast upon the dry land. What were those five principles that Jonah learned? Number one, prayer must ascend into God's temple, Jonah 2, 7. When my soul fainted, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. We pray to God in God's temple in heaven. Number two, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. If we observe lying vanities, we won't, we don't, we forsake the Lord. He's our mercy. 
Number three, sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving. Jonah 2, 9, he says, I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. <clears throat> you pay all your vows. Number four, Jonah 2, 9, I will pay that that I have vowed. He promised he would pay what he vowed. And number five, salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2, 9. Salvation is of the Lord. That's it. Jonah 2.10. When Jonah learned these lessons, he was ready for city work. <clears throat> so number 10. And the Lord spake to the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I wonder if he was green like bile. He would make quite a sight, wouldn't he, walking around? Jonah 2.10. When Jonah learned these lessons, he was ready for work in the city. Jonah 3. 1 through 4. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose. He went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city of three days journey. It would take you three days to walk across that city. That's how big it was from one side to the other. <clears throat> but now he went with God's message instead of his own. Jonah 3, 5 through 10. So the people of Nineveh believed God and they proclaimed a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne. He laid his robe from him. He covered him with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. <clears throat> and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. So he had great success, didn't he? Prophets and Kings, page 270 and 271, tells us um, that as Jonah entered the city, he began at once to cry against it, the message. Yet forty days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. From street to street he went, sounding the note of warning. Forty days. Now there's that number forty again. Isn't that interesting? That number is used so much. The message was not in vain. The cry that rang through the streets of the godless city was passed from lip to lip until all the inhabitants had heard the startling announcement. The Spirit of God pressed the message home to every heart and caused multitudes to tremble because of their sins and to repent in deep humiliation. The people of Nineveh believed God and they proclaimed a fast. They put sackcloth on everyone. The words came to the king of Nineveh and he arose and he proclaimed it. <clears throat> As king and nobles and the common people, the high and the low, repented at the preaching of Jonah, they united in crying to the God of heaven. His mercy was granted them. He saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented or changed his mind. That's what it means, so he changed his mind, that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. 
their doom was averted. The God of Israel was exalted and honored throughout the heathen world, and his law was revered. Not until many years later was Nineveh to fall a prey to the surrounding nations through forgetfulness of God and through boastful pride. So they got, they rec recovered many years of peace, didn't they, by being obedient. When Jonah learned of God's purpose to spare the city that, notwithstanding its wickedness, had been led to repent in sackcloth and ashes, he should have been the first to rejoice because of God's amazing grace. But instead, he allowed his mind to dwell upon the possibility of his being regarded as a false prophet, jealous of his reputation. He lost sight of the infinitely greater value of the souls in that wretched city. The compassion shown by God toward the repentant Ninevites displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Was not this my saying, he inquired of the Lord, when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art gracious, God, and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repented thee of the evil. Once more he yielded to his inclination to question and doubt, and once more he was overwhelmed with discouragement. Oh my, Jonah, Jonah. The five principles have lost none of their power. And let's read our last reference, Prophets and Kings 274 and 275. The men of Nineveh, he declared, shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Well, I'm going to go back one paragraph here uh, so it makes it more clear. Christ, during his earthly ministry, referred to the good wrought by the preaching of Jonah in Nineveh. He compared the inhabitants of that heathen center with the professed people of God in his day, the Jews. The men of Nineveh, he declared, shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here into the busy world filled with the din of commerce and the altercation of trade where men were trying to get all they could for self. Christ had come. And above the confusion, his voice, like the trump of God, was heard. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? As the preaching of Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, and Christ's preaching was assigned to his generation, but what a contrast in the reception of the word. The Ninevites, who were evil beyond belief, they repented, but the Jews did not repent when Christ came. Yet, in the face of indifference and scorn, the Savior, our Savior, labored on until he had accomplished his mission. This lesson is for God's messengers today. When the cities of the nation, and this is what our take, take out from it, when the cities of the nation are as verily in need of a knowledge of the attributes and purposes of the true God, as were the Ninevites of old. People today don't know the true God. Boy, I want to tell you, there's more to that statement. They don't know him. Christ's ambassadors are to point men to the nobler world, which has largely been lost sight of. According to the teaching of the Holy Scriptures, the only city that will endure is the city whose builder and maker is God. The rest of the cities on this planet are going to go down. With the eye of faith, man may behold the threshold of heaven, flushed with God's living glory. Through his ministering servants, the Lord Jesus is calling upon us to strive to, with all men, strive with sanctified ambition 
to secure the immortal inheritance. We want that immortal inheritance. He urges us to lay up treasure beside the throne of God. Now I want to tell you about Nineveh. Remember how the Jews hated the Samaritans and how they, that was like one of the worst insults they could give. They gave Jesus, you're a Samaritan and you have a devil that they threw that insult at him. The Ninevites were even looked down upon even worse because of their cruelty. They were known to skin people alive and impale them on a pole. That means that this the pole or the spike would go through their anus, up through their alimentary canal and come out their mouth or the top of their head. And they were alive. They would do that to them and stake them to the ground, uh, peel them a lot, peel the skin off while they were alive and flay them. Or, uh, I mean, they did some things that, um, I can't even remember any of the other things, that there was many things that they did that were just horrifying, just horrifying. And their cruelty was known. And so, um, so that Jonah... I mean, first of all, would it be safe for him to go over there and preach anything in their streets by himself alone? And second of all, he hated them because of what they had done to maybe even people that he knew. They were known for their cruelty. And um, I suppose you could look that up, history of the Ninevites on the, on the Internet. Just about everything's there these days. And um, he didn't want to go and save them. They they deserve to die for the things that they did and yet they repented so you just never know you can't tell by looking at somebody whether they'll repent or not we just got to sow beside all waters for Jesus has paid the debt for every sin that everyone has ever committed um, we're predestinated to heaven if we'll accept that if we'll accept it nevertheless you can get off the bus anytime you want to. You don't have to go to the destination that he has made for you. He has given us free will. Let me summarize really quickly what we've learned today. This entire book of Jonah is devoted to missionary work in a great city. He was the only worker, just one worker, and he refused to go. <laughs> Which is kind of amazing. Get on a ship and run away from God. <laughs> God prepared a fish to save Jonah, and Jonah had to learn a lesson there. In his strange prison, he learned five principles underlying all successful missionary efforts in great cities. These principles are for us to remember today. If we do any work in the city, prayer has to ascend into God's temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. So if we're observing any lying vanities, we've got to let those go. We have to sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving, repay all our vows, and remember that salvation is of the Lord. When Jonah learned those lessons, he was ready for city work. He then went with God's message instead of his own message, because his own message would have been one of anger and retribution, wouldn't it? And he, would, and he wanted to see them destroyed. But great success followed. And those five principles have lost none of their power. God wants us to work in the cities. There's in there's um, references that you can look up on that subject if you want to find ways to do that. I remember there used to be vans that were in the city that would help people take their blood pressure, take their weight, check, do things, maybe help them, pray with them. 
But you don't see van work much anymore, do you? I mean, I used to donate to the van work in New York City and San Francisco. I don't think there's anyone doing that now, which is kind of sad. Let's close with prayer today, brothers and sisters, and uh, realize that we are in the end times. And time is going to go by very quickly, much quickly, more quickly than we know. We have little time to prepare, especially when you consider how hard it is to change a habit and how it is to change your character. With the help of the Lord, we can do it. Let's pray that we can do it together. Dear Jesus, I pray for those who are here with me today and for myself, for I am in the greatest need as anybody, maybe greater. You know what it is that each one of us is born with, our inherited and cultivated tendencies that we need to fight against. And we pray for strength, Lord, to have the victory in these areas, for you have given us your righteousness if we'll accept it. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to receive it today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with me, brothers and sisters. God bless you today. May you just go forth and seek how to be a blessing to everyone around you and an encouragement. Sympathize with their sorrows. Rejoice with their rejoicings. Take care. I'll see you in the morning. Tomorrow morning we'll be studying what Christ and the Apostles did as city missionaries.